Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things. Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker podcast where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need. Your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. that noise that is the weed whacker it is whacking out those weeds we are clearing the path to your success coach mike here glad to be with you i've got another great guest for you today matter of fact it's sort of one of the first duplicated subjects on the weed whacker one of the early episodes i spoke with my friend jeffrey wolf out in california and we talked about artificial intelligence and Jeff and I are sort of on the same page in some ways. We see some good things about it. We also have concerns about it. Anybody can disagree or agree on some of those. I mean, if you ever watched the Terminator series, folks, right? That's that's the thing. We got to worry about Skynet, right? Is that possible? I don't know. We're going to talk about that a little later. My guest today has gone above and beyond, and he not only knows AI or is looking into it, but he's helping businesses deal with it. And we're going to be talking about that today on the show. So let's welcome to my my guest, Andrew Crawford. His company is Compliance Specialists. Andrew, welcome to the Weed Whacker. Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about where you come from and what are you doing? Well, my network, I, uh, my background is a network engineer, been one for a long time. But back in 2010, I started my own company and um, worked my way into what's known as uh, data security compliance. This is the area where there are laws on the books of the United States that say companies have to protect private information. And if you don't, you're considered to be out of compliance and subject to fines and regulatory oversight and a whole bunch of things you don't want to have happen. So I realized that small companies need this and don't even know that they're subject to it until it's too late. And once it's too late, it's what we call a business killing event. You're going along doing your thing you have a breach that is unfortunately big enough to have to be reported to the government. Now you're visible. Now they say to you, oh, show us your compliance program that uh, where you had all these protections in place. Show us your documentation. Show us how this was working in your company. You don't have it. The next thing is you not only you find, but there's lawsuits because you were negligence to the law. You were fraudulent, according to the FTC, because you claim to be 
in business and keeping things safe by being in business, you are basically saying that and uh, you didn't. So you're fraudulent. And so then they come after you for that. So, I mean, it just becomes bad very quickly. And so we want to prevent all that. I want small businesses. Did you know there's 31 million businesses in the U.S. that are under 10 employees? Yes, I've seen that article on okay. that. I think you told me about that's it. That's a lot of people, and they that's a lot of people employed. And most of them don't have any idea they need to be protecting this stuff. And it, I'm lucky if they're doing antivirus, let alone uh, anything planned, documented, defensible. To, to an entity that's going to ask the hard questions. Now, how, how is a business supposed to keep up with all these laws to begin with? How do we even know that? I mean, I think when we were talking last week, I was telling you about my recent experience with a big box store and it didn't go real well. And every time I called one of their numbers, the first thing it said, if you want to know about our privacy policy, but go, I, you know, I wouldn't be calling for that, but how, that's a big store. That's a big corporation. How do, how do we know where to look or when these laws even get by? I mean, does the government send us something saying, you better watch it out is, for this? <laughs> here's, here's the trick. The government releases this stuff to the public. It's free. And they go on their website and say, here it is. Use it. Well, that's a hook. Because once they've done that, guess what standard they're going to use to measure you by? what I looked at. Exactly. Hey, this is freely available. All you got to do is follow it. Why didn't you follow it? Well, these are the standards. Okay. It's, it's, it's like the road that didn't have a, a uh, speed limit sign. Once they put the speed limit sign up, now they can start writing tickets, right? There you go. But how would I know that there's the, I mean, do I have to go look at a government website with that? I don't know anything. I don't know that they've passed X, Y, and Z law or law 456. So am I just supposed to sell? Let me go look at the government website and see if there's something there. The government is desperately trying to get the news out. So the answer is yes, you should be looking because you're in business and you should be aware of what's affecting your business. Um, The government would also look at your trade magazines are they publishing articles about these things? And the answer is, oh, yes, they are. So if you're part of any kind of, let's say you're in the legal profession, go look at your, the American Bar Association's website. They have a whole thing on privacy, the whole thing on what lawyers are expected to do. And in fact, they even cite cases where they've basically told lawyers, this is part of you being a lawyer. You have to be competent with your computers. Wow. Okay. So wow. it's there. If you are an accountant, uh, the accounting associations all talk about um, keeping data safe and, and what to do. But see, this is, this is why small businesses need a company like mine. I've got my eyes on this stuff. They've got their eyes on doing what they do best. Okay. They're not going to do this as good as I can because this is my focus. This is why we use each other's businesses. This is what business is all about. Hire the guy that knows how to do something better than you do. You do something better than somebody (laughs) else, they hire you, right? That's the business model. So um, that's what I'm here for. And- uh, How, how, okay, now I've got a small 
a solopreneur online business where I print certain things for sports teams. Okay. Uh, my website, if you go on my website and order the product, you're going to pay me through either PayPal or Stripe. Right. So now am I protected because is the responsibility falls on to PayPal and Stripe? Okay. Because it goes straight through to them or am I still open for trouble? To answer your question, first of all, PayPal and Stripe conform to the PCI DSS laws that have to do with privacy and protecting the information when the credit card transaction ex- happens, okay? So that part of your compliance as a business owner would be covered by that particular compliance, okay? So as long as you are not storing a credit card in an Excel spreadsheet for that client, you're using gotcha. their system to store all that stuff, then that right. particular portion of your business is compliant. Problem is, that's not the only compliancy you have to follow, okay? If you've got Uh-oh. people putting stuff on your website where they're entering their information, how is that being okay. processed? Where is that being stored? How are you protecting it? How are you backing that up? Do you have a privacy policy on your website that delineates to them how you're using their data that they're giving you. They expect you to keep it secure. They're doing business with you. That's just the expectation that goes along with being in business. If you don't, then that's where the trouble comes. All of all the only information I have would be their name and address, maybe a phone number and email. I have a sheet that defines what personally identifiable information is. Funny thing is, If I take your name and your private cell phone that you don't release as public information, that together becomes PII. Personally identifiable information that has to be protected is when I can take that information and identify a single individual. Wow. Okay, so if I take your picture off of Facebook and you release that publicly, okay, see, there's the trick. Okay. When you release something publicly, now it's public. You put your name on there. That's public information. People can farm that all they want. Okay. But if I take and put together your name, your address, your phone number, and your email address, that is definitely PII. Even though that might all be available publicly, maybe the cell phone isn't. Okay. I mean, it just, it gets really dicey and basically you just need to say to yourself, no, I need to protect this stuff. Now, if I have, if I have, if I have a HTTPS that's secure on the website, is that is securing, so they can't get through that information, right? That is securing the communication between their browser and your site. Now you have to have on your website, you've got to keep it up to date and patched because there's vulnerabilities in websites all the time. Maybe your website guy does that for you because you don't want to do that all day long. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know what, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I wouldn't know what to okay. begin with there. But there's a compliance <laughs> requirement there. Okay. But there's also a requirement for your, the stuff you use in your home office. Okay. Because if you're going to get hacked, it's likely going to be they'll get into your PC, not necessarily the website. Okay. Where's all that data going? When they put it in the website, where is it going? Well, maybe it's coming to your PC and then you stick it in a spreadsheet and you stick it on your hard drive. And uh, 
you use the same password everywhere to keep it simple. And once they figure out what that password is, they reach in and grab everything you got. You've been breached. What's really scary, and I don't, I will not exaggerate, but it can literally happen almost that quickly because they use automation to get in. And when they find a hole, they decide how quick they want to move. Fascinating thing. There are some out there that are brokers. All they do is test it and say, ah, we can get into this guy. You want to buy it? We'll sell you his information. Wow. Yeah. There's brokers out there. They're selling information back and forth. You know, you want to breach. They don't, they don't actually breach you. They don't actually take your data. They just, Hey, we got someone, you know, we got in on this system with this passwords, et cetera. You want to buy it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, Andrew, every, every now and then we see these articles where Visa or MasterCard or some bank says they were breached and, and the bad guy's got a million names or five million or whatever like that. Right. How would a little guy like me, how would I know if I've been breached? Well, that's part of the problem. Or would I? Or would I? Yeah. That's part of the problem. <laughs> see, that's where we come in because we'll see the attack. You won't. Unless your screen comes up and says, you know, we have just encrypted all your stuff and we want $10,000 from you to give you your data back. You probably don't know you've been uh, compromised. Why? Because the bad guys like to get a foothold and look around, figure out what they got a hold of here. So they can be in the system. Sometimes the average is over 200 days. They can be in the system quite a while and keep a low profile. Maybe you're a real estate agent. Okay. They keep a low profile. They have gone in and made a rule that copies them on all your emails that you get, that you receive. And so they're watching this transaction unfold with your client. And at the right time, they suddenly send that client the information. Oh, you know, the wire transfer, you need to send it over to this account. Um, here's the information. I'm giving you an actual event that occurs over and over and over. Real estate agents are so aware of this that they have uh, uh, all the real estate uh, agencies, um, associations, talk to the realtors about pick up the phone, don't rely on email, don't do this stuff, You, it happens, okay? So what happens is they've been in the system, they pick the right time, and they end up with the wire transfer, and off they go with it. You never knew you were breached. You never knew you were compromised. And in fact, they may continue to watch for the next opportunity. Until a customer comes back and says, hey, where'd my money go? Well, well, yeah, and then you're scrambling going, oh, I was spoofed. But you don't know because you don't have the technology in place to even know that your PC was compromised and is still compromised, okay? Because your antivirus software was fooled and hasn't detected anything, okay? All that's happening is in the background, your emails are being sent off to somebody. You don't even know there's a rule in there because you never looked. Why would you look? What would I look for? Yeah. You do you know what, what to I look, look for? for? Okay. Yeah. This is what I tell people is you need to get in your head that these internet criminals are smarter about computers than you are. That is the problem. They're really, really smart and they know how to hide and they know how to do things to stay hidden. That's why the government, when they 
go after these folks, it takes a lot of resources, time, and effort. It's not easy because these folks are excellent at hiding, okay? Not only hiding what they're doing on your computer, but hiding where, they're, where they live. I was going to say, most of them aren't in the United States, are they? Um, that's partly true, okay? Okay. Um, the state actors, what they call the, the state threat actors, the, the China, North Korea, these, these folks, um, that's not who we as mom and pop or small places are going to deal with. They're not likely to attack you. They're after government. They're after government Big defense bucks. contractors. They're after plans, parts, what you name it. They're after those kinds of things. You're not likely to be dealing with that. So what you're dealing with is the criminal element. The criminals have figured out that this kind of crime is so under the radar that it's safer than peddling drugs. And so even if they're right here in the United States, if, if they're right here in North Carolina, they're still very hard to find. Well, them? yeah, because they hide themselves. They use technology to hide where they actually are. Uh, you've heard of of people that try to fool Netflix so they can see a movie by connecting as if they were in a different country and that sort of thing. This is the kind oh, of technology no. they use. They they use technology to to hide where they really are. There was a case I heard uh, a couple of years back where they busted this group. They were in Santa Barbara, Ventura. San Diego, and a couple other places in Southern California, they were dispersed. There was like six of them that worked together and were attacking people and uh, demanding money and such. They were able to track them down and they arrested them all. But it takes a lot of resource to do that because these folks hide. Now, your criminals have varying uh, degrees of talent. Some of them are more talented than others. So the less talented ones are easier to catch. Okay. But if I said to you, oh, I'm in your computer and I proved it by doing something, how would you know? I mean, unless you saw something happen on the screen, you don't know. If you really want an eye-opening experience, you go to uh, one of the dark, um, oh, what do they call it? Dark web? The black hat. The Black Hat event Black Hat. in uh, Las Vegas. If you ever want to really get your eyes open, go there. Uh, I okay. saw a video where this guy accepted the challenge from one of the hackers. Within 10 minutes, he had compromised him completely. Okay? 10 minutes. Oh, when, you say, when you say they compromised him, what, what was the setup and what did they do? He simply used what was available to him to get into his accounts and completely compromise the guy. The guy came out, he, he did this video and he came out going, just shook, completely shook that that was all the time it took. It took the guy 10 minutes. He didn't, he didn't know the guy's email or anything. No. He didn't have any information. No. Wow. It, it's, it's now these are high level people. These are people that really know what they're doing. Okay. Most of the criminal elements are a lot less than, than Black Hat, okay? But sure. I'm just saying sure. the technology is not bulletproof, okay? What I tell clients, um, you remember the Colonial Pipeline incident? Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Are you using the same uh, operating system they are? 
Oh, Microsoft Windows, Macintosh, probably. <laughs> How are you more secure than them? And they spend money on this stuff, right? See, the point is you're not more secure. You're probably less secure because you're not spending money on security. You're not spending time on it. You don't even know how to harden your system. You don't, don't even, know where to start. Yeah, you don't even know where to start. Okay. There's I'm more worried about getting some more customers in the door. Exactly. You're to running make some your money business. to begin with. You're running your yeah. business. Yeah. And what I want to do is protect your business from getting killed by these guys. Because that's what can happen. Now, is it going to happen? The biggest names I can think of talk about when, not if. It's just a matter of time. Um, I greatly fear a tangle with China because I think China will unleash some things that we didn't see coming. And I don't know what that looks like. But I don't want my computer system subject to whatever it is they're planning. You know, I want my business to survive. <laughs> my bigger my bigger fear on the less knowledgeable end here is is an EMP device. I think to me that's I think the more likely thing well, that we're gonna have to be concerned with. Especially when we have a president that lets a balloon fly over our country for two weeks or whatever it was. And it wasn't Gee, many Christmas. And it wasn't the first, apparently. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. It's, okay. it's pretty. It's, and, and I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. I don't want to go out there crazy. We're just trying right. to bring the average business person's business up to what the government says is minimum standard. We're not trying to do crazy stuff. We're just trying to close the doors, shut the windows, and get you to doggone use a password manager and quit using your grandma's name and birthday as your password. Okay? <laughs> There's a video I saw I where they went out on Hollywood Boulevard and asked people their passwords, and four out of five would give them to them. <laughs> to tell them what their password was. Like, well, somebody wants that one. Uh, who is it? Somebody does a commercial. I don't know. Is it an insurance company or something? Does a commercial of that. You know, they call, yeah, what's your birthday? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I see somebody and they have their birth date on their social media, okay, <laughs> let's see. All I need is some information, a birth date, and I can open an account just about anywhere. I mean, you know. It doesn't take much effort. People are all worried about identity theft, but they're not doing what they need to to protect themselves. Now, here's the kick. When your identity is stolen, did they steal it from you? No. They got it from somebody you did business with. That's why I do what I do. We got to protect business. They collect that information and don't properly protect it. Right. That's where I need the the credit monitoring, you know, at least you can jump well, on that's it. What uh, you can do personally, you can do credit monitoring, yep. et cetera. But I can't control that Joe Market down the street doesn't have his stuff secure and they just stole all the information he had and I do business there. Right. Okay. Right. Here's the thing. You go to a CPA, you've got a tax preparer. How are they handling your stuff? The IRS says they have to fill out the forms right and they have to handle this stuff right. The IRS doesn't care about their security. That's a preference, okay? The reason is 
they're covered by the the uh, GLBA law that says that they have to keep all that stuff protected and safe. So the IRS doesn't worry about that because that's supposed to be happening already. Well, why don't you talk to your tax professional and find out how they're keeping the data safe? You might have a uncomfortable conversation as most of them are not taking the basic protections that they should be. How do I know this? I have CPA tax preparer EA clients and we've been working on compliance for a number of years and they are now at the level where they're saying to their customers, we do things differently. We do it this way. Here's how you're going to give us your data. Yeah, I know my guy has me, uh, sends me a thing, he has a specific email address that he says is encrypted in to get from me to him. Exactly. So after that, let's face it, 90% of the time, whoever we're doing business with, we're trusting, maybe blindly, we're trusting that. And that's the point. That's what the government says. People are trusting you with their stuff. If you're not doing the right stuff, then you're a fraud. That's how they're hanging people. Now, what if they hack the IRS? Who's going to pay us back for that? The IRS has a lot of security in place, believe me. The government has been working very hard at this stuff. Well, there's some other things government supposedly works on, but there's a lot of incompetence. How do we know they're secure? All right, now, hang on a second. Remember that the government is dealing with is they're dealing with the highest level of hackers. They're dealing with states, uh, nation states that have entire organizations hired to figure out how to hack things, okay? They, they, are, they are working on plugging pinholes where we have small business that has gaping holes, okay? It's a, it's a the difference is monumental. We're not going to... Believe me, if a state hacker wanted to take you out, it wouldn't even blink, okay? Because you don't have the protections in place that even the government has. But the government is asking small business to at least get the minimum standard in place. And that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to protect you against the most latest, greatest hack that's ever been seen. That's probably going to take down a lot of people because nobody's seen it before. And they'll figure out how to fix it, and you'll patch your system and get back and going. I mean, that's not the level we're after. What we're after is that vulnerability has been in the system for five years, and you still haven't patched it, and so they used it. Okay? A lot of the stuff that's happening is not sophisticated. Your email address is the same as your bank account address at uh, password and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that they're going to try every account they can find okay they get into your bank account they pull all your money what does the bank say well that was you why because you are responsible for the security of your login to that bank are you using two-factor authentication does your email have two-factor authentication from the look we on your face, I would guess no. <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Does our, do we have the time to have two-factor with our emails? Give me a break. We would be uh, – I spend too much time chasing the banks. I get it. Yes, I do have I do have some of that. Okay. Uh, certain accounts. But here's the thing. When I hit an account and I say forgot password, where does that email go? 
if I've already compromised your system, I can receive that email and respond to it and you never see it. You want to have two-factor authentication on your main email where you're sending that kind of stuff to. This is the kind of stuff that compliance specialists does for the business. They, they when they when we publish a policy and start going through it, we start to find the holes. We start to find where the things need to be fixed, and the policies help the business owner bring clarity to what they need to do and how to do it. So, having two-factor authentication on your email might sound like a um, big waste of your time. But I'll tell you what, it'll save you time when they can't get into your account and you're using unique passwords everywhere because you're using a password manager, which is putting the thing in automatically so you don't even think about it. Well, here's what I do, uh, Andrew. I I use a password manager, but I don't have it generate the passwords. You should. Because let's face it, well, I've got a pretty long password and it, and it isn't the same. I do have a same password for what I consider to be non-important sites. If I'm going to go on something to look at a magazine or something, I've got a password that I use for at that level, right? But my banks and everything, all my financial, I've got different passwords. But here's the thing, okay, and I'll, I'll bring up my own conspiracy theory. I'm sure somebody has thought of this. If I trust all my passwords to my uh, password manager wants to stop them from changing it. And now I can't get to my passwords. Okay. Um, Blocking me out. Well, first of all, your, your main password manager password, where you get into your account should have two factor authentication on it. So that you do not have the possibility that somebody can change your password on you and lock you out. Okay. That's, that's first of all, Second, when we chose the password manager that we sell, we looked at a number of different products and chose the one that gave the business owner some features. And one of the features is that the account is secured not in the cloud. It's secured on the local device. It synchronizes through the cloud, but it's actually on your device. So it's not out there to get hacked. You hear what I'm saying? It's not cloud-based. But you already just got through saying if somebody could hack my computer. Okay. So let's say they are on your computer. How are they going to deal with that two-factor? That is extremely difficult to get around, depending on what you're using. Okay. Okay? And you you and I have seen the sci-fi movies where they chop the guy's hand off so they can get past the biometrics. (laughs) I mean, you know. Just figure it out. But but I'm not talking about that. I have – I have security keys that I use. Uh, I have a Google Authenticator, which rolls the numbers every 30 seconds so that they're never the same. You'd have to steal my phone and copy my SIM card. I mean, there's so much that would have to be done that the average Internet criminal, he'll go find an easier target. And that's what we want. Okay? If there's a really – that's why I don't go to Black Hat in Las Vegas, okay? (laughs) And I would not bring any of my devices, okay? Because those guys are so smart, they can hack anything, okay? We're not talking about that level. We're talking about the low-level guys that are picking off people whose passwords aren't even, they're not even using a password manager. 
Okay. The people, no, the people have put their credit card number on the on Facebook yeah, form or something, you know, <laughs> or, or various other things. We're not talking about this, but businesses need to have a basic minimum level of security, and most of them don't. And that's what we bring them up to. We don't bring them up right. to you know government high level standard of of you know DOD. That requires a whole other level of certification that's actually beyond us, the, the CMMC three and above. That's that's we don't do that. We'll do two and one. We'll do the lower stuff, but the high level stuff we're not even involved with. Okay. Andrew, we said we we're gonna talk about AI a bunch. We <laughs> had a, you and I had an interesting conversation Sorry. about that. No, that's okay. I'm this because this is just yeah. they're both important because I think they're so related because if we, you know, if we take our thinking extension further, could not somebody use okay. AI Let's, to attack our attack our computer? Not only can somebody, I'm sure they're already using it. Okay, that let's put it this way: you could probably build a profile on somebody faster with AI than you would doing it manually. But that's all public information. Okay, but you get enough public information put together, you have a pretty good idea what their their kids' names are, their dog's name, and you start checking their passwords to see what they've been using. It doesn't take long for that information to be put together and then used to try and figure out either what your passwords might be or to spoof you. And and everybody knows about spoofing emails and that sort of thing. Oh, I, I get them every yeah. week. I just, I sent one to, I had one, a uh, PayPal one I sent, because uh, I'll forward it. And I I was I just texted or emailed Kurt, the cyber guy. I like to watch him. I don't know if you're, but the other day I said, maybe one of his newsletters, he should put out a list of these email addresses like spoof at PayPal, fraud at Best Buy. All these big companies have a website or an email address where if you get that email in, you can forward it to them, and they'll apparently. Try, I hope they're trying to shut those guys down. Well, what they what they do is they dig into the headers, and they're able to see where it was coming from, and they can gather information because email has a trail. Okay, right. So, and that's why you never want to send anything secure in email, because email is a store and forward communication, which means there's copies on servers as it works its way through the system. People don't think about that sort of thing because they don't really know the technology behind it. Um, we don't. We don't know about. Yeah, it. Well, yeah we I'm, don't know about. I'm a network engineer. I know some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on now, networks and computers and email and all this stuff. <laughs> now, despite the warnings we got here recently from Elon Musk and what's his Sam Altman, that we got to take a step backwards in the development of the AI because like I said we got to watch out for Skynet. But we do see some good uses of AI, and I understand that you are giving businesses a guideline what they can or should not do with AI. Yes, we have have released an artificial intelligence acceptable use policy, and it's on our blog page at compliancespecialistusa.com. You can go there. You can get your own personalized copy for your business. The reason it's so important and we're giving it away is because we've already seen businesses where they've taken proprietary information and put it in that chat engine. They just made it public. Anything you put in that system becomes its. 
it becomes it's it becomes part of its database. It's learning. It's learning from everything you put in. Give us a specific a specific example of something that could happen with there. Like what would some what would I do as a business? Well, I was talking to a, a colleague of mine, and he mentioned that apparently one of his clients, you know, took private information, let's say customer data, and put it in there to analyze it or do whatever. It, it doesn't matter what the task is. It's the fact that that information was supposed to be protected, and now you just put it in a publicly accessible database that will turn around and use that information in future endeavors that it does. The thing learns from everything it gets. So it'd be like putting it on Facebook. It might as well put it on Facebook, all the information. If they're not already scraping that. But yeah, um, (laughs) you know, the artificial intelligence itself is just computers and it doesn't have morality and it doesn't have an understanding of what's right and wrong. That's coming from people. And so the concerns that you talked about, they're concerned about the algorithms that drive the, the responses. They're concerned about discrimination. They're, dis, they're concerned about you using AI to uh, filter uh, resumes that are coming into a position you're trying to fill. And how does that algorithm make decisions and is it being biased? These are the concerns they have. My concerns for the average business is that they, in their excitement of using AI, that they unintentionally, unsecurely put stuff in they shouldn't put in and basically have just given the system private information and basically caused their own data breach. (laughs) Okay. Um, Not a good, not a good scenario. Okay. How do you use AI in your business? There are laws coming onto the books where they want you to to disclose to clients how you're using it. Are we using AI to process your information? If so, who's getting that information? Okay. Where's it going? And California says, oh, by the way, you got to give California people the option to opt out of that process. Well, if you're not even disclosing that you have the process, let alone uh, an opt-out button, uh, you're already not compliant because <laughs> there's already laws on the books and it's just going to get deeper. Okay, So business use of AI needs to be careful. And so this acceptable use policy says, here's what you need to do. You need to decide what it is you're going to use it for. You need to teach people how to use it. And you got to use it according to your own rules. And you got to check it to make sure it's actually accurate because, you know, it never makes mistakes. <coughs> <coughs> Computers are never wrong, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Um, you know, these are things you got to do to protect yourself. Why? Because there are privacy laws out there they're going to hang you by if you don't. It's at some point, Andrew, at some point, though, let's, let's, let's take it a step further. Personally, myself... I don't think I'll use AI. I, I'm not. Well, that might be I your best cool. decision ever. I'm not using it for my business, you know. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, it's, it's cool to see in the sci-fi movies and stuff. You know, as we talked about last week, I don't like it. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But let's say at some point as a business, let's say I am using it. Okay. Would there not be some level 
or at some point, can I look at, let's say, chat GPT and say, hey, you've got an obligation to protect us somehow because this is my private information. I mean, if I'm using you to process something for me, shouldn't I have a right or an expectation that they're going to not just publish it all the way out? Actually, if you go and read their terms of use, you're going to find it's kind of the opposite. And in fact, uh, chat CBT has recently changed their policies. And if you go read it, I believe it says if you turn off the history and then use it, then they'll consider that as uh, not usable data and delete it off their systems in 30 days. In 30 days. Okay. But that does not mean <laughs> that does not mean that you can take protected information and put it in their system. Okay. That, that's that's not a okay. I just turn off history and now I can do it. No, <laughs> you don't want it in their engine at all. Okay, Andrew. Andrew, you, you mentioned the privacy policies and terms of service. And you know, terms of service is like having an argument with your wife. You scroll to the bottom and click "I agree." Okay, I hear you. I mean, that's. I think that's what most of us do. I try to read one every now and then. It's like the laws they pass in Congress. How are you going to follow? Okay. And that's <laughs> that's why companies need us. Compliance specialists, I sit and read that stuff. Okay? And I understand it. Okay? I read the law and it says, this is what you need to do. I change that gobbledygook legal language to practical things that you as a business owner need to do. Okay, that's what we do, because you're not an expert at it. You don't want to be an expert at it. In fact, you don't even want to read the terms of service. Okay, (laughs) but your website is supposed to have a terms of service on it, as well as a privacy policy and a disclosure policy. Uh, You know, (laughs) they expect us to do these things. How are you going to stay compliant as a business owner? You need somebody on your side that can help you. Well, I'm quite sure there's people there's people out there just like um, I'd rather have me you know, than like, a lawyer. You know, you, the, I'm sure you got people out there like the sort of like the old slip and fall things, where you have these guys looking to sue somebody. They sort of go around looking for the loophole, like you say. Oh, and it's oh, this guy doesn't have that. Let me take advantage data, of that. Data privacy, big thing. Yeah, there there are um, those kinds of lawyers out there. Yes. That is a reality in our world. Now, as we talked about last week, Andrew, we, you, you, we do believe there are some good things about AI. I said I don't want an automated car, and I gave my reasons. There's been people killing us say computers do make mistakes. Uh, I especially don't want to see an automated truck, semi-truck driving down the road. But you brought up a good point, too, where, like, and I'm not there yet either. You aren't either. Hope we don't – where we can't drive anymore – are we going to depend on getting an Uber all the time, or do you want to be able to climb in your automated car? Where At what level can we trust? As I said to you last week, I think most of the automated cars pay more attention than most of the people out there right now. Um, I'm sitting at the stoplight. It turns green, and the guy next to me isn't going because he's not looking at the light. He's looking at his phone. Hello. Yeah. I, actually, Andrew, I found there's another reason for that, though, because I always do that. I'm always screaming at the guy. It doesn't get any greener. There's only one shade. <laughs> right. But then like somebody like somebody said here in North Carolina, 
you when a light turns green, you wait three seconds because some somebody's going to be coming running through the red light. Oh, yeah, I saw a guy run the run the red light this morning. I was like, yeah, that was red, you know. And he just right on. I had, a, I, had a, I had a semi run in front of me a couple weeks ago. My wife forgot her laptop, so I take it down to her work. She's right by where the sixteen highway comes up through Conover there, and I pull out of her to the driveway in her business. And luckily, I'm still like 50 yards. I got a green light. I'm about 50 feet or so away from the intercept, maybe 50 yards. I don't know. And this semi just cruises on through on a red light. Like, <laughs> like it wasn't even there. Like it wasn't yeah. even there. Yeah. Well, see, and the automated systems won't do that. Andrew, you made a statement to me when we were talking before. And again, I like I love the Terminator movies. I do, too. Watch out for Skydive. I love them. Now, we... We have been told that a computer can learn, like playing chess, for example, that they've gotten better and better and better. Uh, you said that it's sort of a long ways, if, possible, if even possible, for something like a Skynet to happen. Could, it, could they not learn to that degree somehow, well, some way? I'll give you what I, what I know, and then I'll give you my opinion. Okay. Um, I met the Google engineer that got fired from Google for saying that their AI was sentient. Okay. Whether or not it is, I don't know. Okay. Define that word there real quick. Which word? The, sen- the sentient? Oh, has- the basically had consciousness. Okay. Self-aware. Okay. Which is this first step, right? In, in becoming Skynet. Yes, I remember seeing that the other day. Once it became self-aware, it then began to work on the problem, and the problem was humans, (laughs) right? Yep, 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 which we might agree with sometimes. (laughs) Well, certainly while driving, it's humans. Um, (laughs) So now my opinion is, and this is just my opinion, uh, I am not an expert on AI. I focus on compliance and what that means for small businesses, okay? So I am by no means an expert on AI. But will AI get to the point of that kind of awareness? I personally believe that when God breathed life into Adam, it was a lot more than a computer in his head, okay? (laughs) We are different than other things, we are not right. animals Amen. and we are not computers. And I don't believe computers will ever become us or even animals. However, compute what they are dealing with is they are getting a high level of sophistication that emulates certain behaviors. That's why people are all excited about the chat CBT thing, because you can talk to it in a normal way and it responds accurate or inaccurate, but it responds in a normal kind of way. That makes it easy to use. That doesn't mean it's alive. Okay. So I don't think we're going to see computers become uh, Skynet, self-aware and et cetera. But I do think we're going to see the sophistication and abilities of computers to do particular tasks greatly increase okay especially evil tasks Um, especially evil tasks that somebody wants to use them for well ai depends on a lot of learning so google doing their automated cars 
didn't start out with automated cars. They started out with collecting data, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of data about driving and what goes on in driving and how you respond and all that. Then they began to build the algorithms and say, okay, when there's a stop sign, that means the car has to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And And it has to watch out for all these things that are happening and put all those variables in place, okay? So they might get the algorithms, okay, now the car knows actually how to stop at a stop sign. Well, not quite. I read an article on this where... (laughs) The computer was confused because people were doing the the creep forward. So at a four-way stop, the other car would creep forward, and they would the car would assume they were going, so it would wait for them. Wow. Doesn't take you long to figure out what happened. You never got across the intersection because your car kept <laughs> waiting for the other guys who are creeping. Okay, so they had to literally yep. adjust the algorithm to match human behavior so their car could get through the dumb intersection. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, you know, I I took Fortran in college one year, one semester. I don't, I think I got a D in there or whatever, but I can't even begin to imagine the amount of code that goes into something like that. Okay. This is where the the issues that Elon Musk and others are bringing comes to the forefront. When you think of Fortran, you're thinking of a, a, a program that you can line by line look at and read and adjust and fix. That is yes. not how these things work. They work on parameters and they the coding itself is is and it's beyond me okay but it is still a set of code it is not code that you're going to sit there and oh yeah we missed this here this thing is learning from data and basically in some respects probably doing some of its own programming okay it is not like fortran at all it is light years beyond Fortran, and, and you. This is where the difficulty comes. How do you fix a bug in one of these things? Well, they can't go so into saying, code and you find say, it. I say you're saying there is no code behind the scenes somewhere oh, that it there's is. There's code. There's so much code you can't even fathom it. That's what I, okay, okay, that's what I mean. There's so much. Yeah, it, it's look. Your Windows operating system has so much code. I don't remember how big it is now um, in terms of if you turn it into lines of code. It's huge. That's just your little PC trying to do a few things on a screen. These large systems couldn't exist before because it requires clusters and clusters and clusters of computing power. It is not a single PC doing this. This is right. this is right. vast amounts of resources being used. God is pretty smart because he put it all in a very small box, and it works quite well <laughs> for quite a number of years without too much maintenance. Um, there you go. Yeah, the, the Skynet is fanciful. It's kind of like Star Trek. You know, we think we can go faster than the speed of light. Good luck. Um, you know. We dream up all kinds of things that may not be possible. Okay. You know what's funny though, Andrew, if you go back and watch some of the old Star Trek and stuff and see how many things we do have now that was brought Star up in Trek different shows back then. Things that have been designed. Um, yes. And, and I love it. I'm a, I'm a Star Trek fan, but I'm not a fanatic of it. 
Um, one of the things that I think they missed entirely, which I think is hilarious, is cell phones. <laughs> none, none of their programs ever imagined a society with what we have today, with these little boxes in front of us we're carrying around in our pocket, staring at all the they, time. They had, he had the Apple Watch. <laughs> He had the watch. Well, Dick Tracy had the watch. Well, that's true. And all that's I think true. all it did was communicate. Okay, your Apple Watch does a lot more than that. Andrew, to see how far we've come in 1988, when I bought uh, took over a mail and parcel center down out there in California, I had a computer with a 40 megabyte hard drive. Hey, that was big back then. Running DOS. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, look where we come now. I got two hard drives or whatever on my computer, to at least divided or whatever. And then I've got an external that's another terabyte. I remember so. the day I saw the first terabyte drive at Costco. I was floored. Wow, that's so much space. What would you do with all that? You know, <laughs> when, when I started computers, memory was in kilobytes, not gigabytes. You know, you were talking about a, something you got coming up half this next week. Tell us about your big event. The big event is that we are releasing the artificial intelligence acceptable use policy to the public. So if you go to our website, uh, compliance specialist USA.com, and you click on the blog, find the uh, artificial intelligence, uh, you can click the uh, link there and we'll send you your own copy. For your business. Do I need to hire somebody to read it? <laughs> I have done my best. All of our policies, we write them to the best of our ability to be as uh, plain English as we can. When we have to use terms, we do provide definitions. And we try also to keep out as much of the geekism as we can because our the people we're trying to serve are not computer nerds and are not tech savvy and don't want to be and shouldn't have to be to run their business. Okay. There you so go. There you go. That's why we do what we do. We come alongside you and help you with this entire area of keeping you safe, keeping the data safe so your customers can have confidence in your business and do business with you because you've taken that extra step to be safe. There you go. Andrew, I will definitely put the link in the description for this when we publish it. Okay. And we'll make sure you, you know, get it out there a little bit because I think there we all probably need it, even though we don't always realize we need it. That's what we're trying to get the message out because um, you are vulnerable. And I'd rather help you before I don't want to help you after. It's too late then. We're trying to protect you to grow, not not uh, clean up afterwards. Yeah. There you go. Andrew, I hear, I hear the weed whacker going again, so we're going to okay. wrap it up here today. I thank you for being here. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know where to go. If, if, if you're that one that doesn't want to read that whole online user guide, this is the guy to talk to. We'll catch you then. God bless y'all. Have a great weekend. We will see you later. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, 
and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name on the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you wipe those weeds out of your life and move forward to success. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.